You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. So we had our young adults group uh, last night, the first one that we had. And uh, thank you all for being there. And um, we played some games and hung out and ate some food and uh, talked Bible and uh, talked a lot of Bible, and um, <laughs> we're going to hope my voice holds up from uh, all the Bible we talked, but it was really fun. I uh, appreciate y'all coming out. We're going to try and do it at least once a month, um, so if you know someone getting out of high school around the age of 18, uh, younger than 25, um, we would love for you to come and, and visit, so we'll probably have, uh, we'll announce that in July sometime when we're going to do that again, so. Thank y'all all for coming. Um, today, I want to talk about something real fun, real fun that, that people love, love to talk about, especially here, but it's a significant thing. Today, for those who don't know, is the day of Pentecost. Oh, goodness. I already saw the shifting in the seats. We're going to talk about speaking in tongues today. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today because today's the day when the day of Pentecost happened. And it's crazy to me that talking about something in the Bible that we can all read and see has completely divided the church. That it's divided it so much that we have some churches that say, we do believe in speaking in tongues. We think it's for today. And then we go to the other extreme where we have some churches that say, we don't believe in it at all. It's not for today. It's not right. Don't do it. And the church, which is supposed to be unified by speaking in tongues, has splintered over a concept that I think is vital to each and every one of our Christian walks. So we're just going to walk through some things and talk about some things. I want you to listen. I know that you've probably heard from different churches, from different pastors, different things throughout your life. You've gone to different churches, you've heard, yay, we're for it, let's do it, do it all the time. You've gone to other churches and say, well, we believe in it, but we're, we're not really going to do it in public or in front of people. That's for you. Hide in a closet, don't let anybody know, whisper it, go over there. And then you have other churches that say, we don't do it here. You're not allowed to do that here. Stop. Nope, stop, stop, stop. And so I just want to bring scripture to you today, and I want to let you make your own decision. Just because of what I'm saying, I want you to listen to the scriptures, I want you to see the scriptures that I'm presenting, and make an own personal decision. I've had to do this multiple times in my life when it comes to the scriptures. I was telling the uh, young adults last, uh, last night that when I was younger, I grew up in the same church, a very, very large church, a couple hundred to close to a thousand people. I got saved in the church, um, I got... Uh, baptized, water baptized. I got spirit-filled. I met a a lot of people, um, great Christian men and women, youth group, had mighty, mighty encounters with God through this ministry and this church that I was a part of. Everything that I knew, everything that I learned was because of this pastor, his staff, everything. When I was 22 years old, I was a junior in college. My pastor stood up on stage, made the announcement that him and his wife were getting divorced. And then he also made the statement that because of the divorce, that there was going to be revival coming to the church, revival coming to the town, and things like that. 
And at 22 years old, I sat there and listened to my pastor saying something for one of the first times that I didn't believe what he was saying. I said, now there's, there's something about that that's not right. And it put me on a journey right then and there to where I didn't know what I truly believed. Because everything up to this point, I believed what this man had told me. And all of a sudden, he was saying something that was contrary to what was in my spirit and what I thought the scripture said, and contrary to what he had said previously. And then I started thinking, I said, well, if he's wrong about that, what else was he wrong about? What is my faith built on? Is my faith built on my pastor's belief? Is my faith built on my parents' belief? Is, is my faith built on what my friends and my youth pastor say? And at 22 years old, I decided, if I'm going to believe this, then I'm going to go find it myself. I'm going to go experience it myself, and I'm going to find out if it's true or not. Yes, I'll believe some pastors. Yes, I'll believe my parents. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to them, and, and I'll, but I'm going to study the scriptures myself, and I'm going to find out, do you really want to heal me, God? Do you really want to save me? Do you really care about my finances? Do you really care about this, that? Is speaking in tongues real? Is it for today? Is it something that I can encounter? Is it something? These are questions that I've asked. These are questions that I've studied. These are questions that I've researched. These are things that I've experienced because I wanted to know for myself. And so just because I'm saying it today, this is the studies that I've done and the things that I've done. But I want to encourage you on your walk with God. Don't just take me for my word. Go and get in the scriptures and study yourself. Find out, it doesn't have to be speaking in tongues, it can be anything. Find out what God says, and then, if you know that it's true, if you read that and you say, you know what, I believe it, then apply it to your life. Use it every way that you can, amen? So let's dive into this today. The day of Pentecost was actually uh, a Jewish holiday, a Jewish tradition. Um, Pentecost means 50th, and it was the 50th day after Easter slash the Passover. Really, the Jews were celebrating the Passover, and then 50 days later, they would celebrate in Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. It was one of the well-known feasts of the times, and people would come to Jerusalem. They would celebrate the seventh week after the Passover in grateful recognition of the completed harvest. Now, we see in Acts chapter 2 is where the day of Pentecost happens, where the Holy Spirit shows up. And we're going to read that. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they, being the disciples, different people, there was probably a couple hundred, 100, 200 people in the room when the Holy Spirit showed up, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, as the Spirit gave them utterance. See, this is an important time frame for us to look at, um, because we, we've talked about this before when it comes to uh, the study of the Scriptures. The art or study of preaching is known as homiletics. The art or study of studying scripture is called hermeneutics. And one of the rules or laws of hermeneutics is uh, talking about the, the first mentions. Uh, the first time something happened in the Bible, we should really pay attention to. 
Because when that first encounter happens, that sets a precedent for what's going to happen going forward. So we see this is the first time the Holy Spirit has shown up on the earth. Now we have precedent of different times that God has come to earth. In Genesis chapter 3, we see God coming down at the cool of the day to interact with Adam and Eve. We see in Exodus 19 where God comes down to Mount Sinai and wants to meet with the Israelites. We talked about that story a while back where God says, hey, I'm going to come down. I'm going to be with Moses and the Israelites. Y'all prepare yourselves. I'm coming in three days. And then the smoke, lightning, thunder, all these loud noises start descending upon the mountain. And the Israelites say, whoa, 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 no, no, no we don't want to talk with God. Moses, you go talk with God. Whatever he tells you to do, we'll do it. But we don't want to, I don't want to talk to him. And then we see the Ten Commandments come out of that. We see the law come out of that. But we see this encounter with God coming down. In the Gospels, in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, we see the first time that Jesus comes down to earth. First time he's there comes as a baby. He could have come as anything. God could have sent his son as anything. Could have sent him as a king. Could have sent him as a grown man, as a knight, as a strong warrior. He could have come as anything, but the way that God sent him was as a lowly baby. He sends him to earth. And then we have Jesus walking on the earth for 30 years. And all the miracles and all the things that he does. But he keeps telling his disciples, it's not good if I stay here. That makes no sense to the disciples because number one, the disciples who were nobodies have now become somebodies and they've always heard about the Messiah coming. And in their mind, the Messiah was supposed to eradicate the Romans and restore the throne of Israel. So these 12 boys are thinking, we are about to get paid. We got Jesus, we got this following, we're the ones that are between Jesus and the people. Well, let, let me see if Jesus, uh, let me go talk to him. No, 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 you stay over there. Jesus, can, do you want to talk? You don't, you're busy? Okay. No, no, I'm sorry, he can't, he can't talk to you. Oh, you want to get to Jesus? Well, uh, let me go talk to him. These disciples thought that their lives were going to change. Although it did, it looked different than what they were expecting. And he tells them, you know, it's not good for me to be here but I'm going to send somebody to you who's going to be better than me. He's got a couple nicknames, and they're called Helper. They're called Comforter. He's going to bring truth. He's going to teach you. And they thought, how is that even possible for the man, the literal man, Jesus, God, God in flesh standing in front of me? How is there going to be anything better that can come and visit with us? And Jesus says, don't worry, he's coming Go to Jerusalem and wait for him. And then we have Acts chapter 2 that happens. The first time the Holy Spirit shows up to the earth and stays. You see, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come and go. We were talking about this last night of how you can read in Psalms, the different writers of Psalms and mainly David, and you see this schizophrenic type writing in the different songs that he does. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in pastures. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then you read other psalms that he wrote, 
And he says, there's enemies all around me, God. Do you care? Do you even know that I'm here? They're going to demolish me. What are you doing? Because the Holy Spirit would come and go on certain people. He would come on Samson, and Samson would turn into mighty Hulk, kill thousands, and then he would turn back in. He would come on prophets. He would come on kings. But he wasn't really coming on and visiting and staying with the normal people. And you had these mighty men of God have these mighty encounters with God. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit would leave. And then here they are as a man again, struggling in their own insecurities and their own weaknesses. The Holy Spirit would come and go, come and go. Jesus says, well, the Holy Spirit is coming. Why it's good, because Jesus says, I, I can't be everywhere. I can't go here, I can't go there. I can't, there weren't jets at the time to fly him all around. I guess he could have hopped on a couple angels. He said, but I, I can't. Then all of a sudden we have the Holy Spirit show up in Acts chapter 2, and that changed the game for Christians. That changed the game right there because all of a sudden no longer are they standing next to God and standing next to Jesus, and then at times they're going back to their house or they're doing this or that. Now God is living on the inside of them, something that had never been done before. Not only just living inside, but staying inside same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells now in us. So now I don't have to go like the old covenant. I don't have to go to the temple. I don't have to, I can't even get into the Holy of Holies to see God. I could just go talk to a priest. If I want to experience God, I've got to go where he's at. If I'm in the, the gospel times, if, if I want to see God or talk to him, I've got to go find Jesus. Is he, is he in this town? Is he here? No, he's not here. Okay, I'll go over here. Hey, is Jesus over here? I need him to heal me. Hey, is Jesus, nope, he just left? Okay, I'm going to the next city. Now, the Holy Spirit is inside of us, and everywhere that we go, God goes with us. That's why it was better. That's why it was stronger. The Holy Spirit shows up, and he says, I'm not going anywhere this time. You call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. We see right before Jesus leaves, he says he breathes on the disciples, the Holy Spirit. That when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. But there is a separate encounter, there's a separate event that happens that we see in Acts chapter 2 that can happen to all of us being filled with the Spirit. Now this is... The day of Pentecost is important to us because it shows us that the Holy Spirit came to earth. But at that time, the Holy Spirit only was hanging out with Jews. And so when Jesus tells the disciples the Great Commission at that time, the only thing that they hear, go into all the world, preach, make disciples, heal the sick, do this, do that, all they heard was go preach to other Jews. It was against their rules, it was against their traditions to go anywhere near a Gentile. If you look throughout the ministry of Jesus, there's only a handful, one, two, maybe three Gentiles that he actually interacted with and actually helped because of their faith. Jesus says all the time, I'm not but sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And now the Jew, Jesus telling the disciples, go into all the world, all they hear is it's time to go and minister to the Jews and tell them about the Messiah. But something happens 
in Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10, and this is where we're going to sit because it's the most important thing for us as Gentiles. We believe that between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 9 and 10 is probably about a 5 to 10 year gap. Holy Spirit, Jesus dies on the cross, he visits the disciples, he leaves, Passover happens, day of Pentecost happens, it's probably around A.D. 30 is what they believe. A.D. 35, 37, A.D. 40 is when they believe that Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10 happens. Five to ten years later, Peter's sitting in a house. He's praying. He has a vision where God says, hey, there's somebody coming. You need to go with them and preach at their house. He says, okay, this is all kind of weird, but if you say it, I'll go. As soon as he gets done praying, knock on the door, somebody shows up and says, hey, Cornelius had a vision from an angel saying to go find a man named Peter. Peter's going to come and preach, and you're going to tell us how to be saved. Peter says, well, I just had a dream that says you were coming to find me. You had a dream saying I was coming to find you. Okay, God's confirming things. I'll go with you. So he takes him and his crew. They go to Cornelius' house. It says that Cornelius is a Gentile. He's a Roman. It says that he prays. It says that he helped build temples. It says that he honored God. He did all these good things, but he still wasn't saved. God sends Peter to his house. House is chock full, and Peter walks in there. And he says, I want you all to know right now that according to my customs, according to my rules, according to my laws, I'm not supposed to be here. This is illegal for me to eat with y'all. It's illegal for me to be in the house of a Gentile. I shouldn't be here at all, but God told me to be here, so I'm here, and I'm just going to tell you the story of Jesus. And you read in Acts chapter 9, you read in Acts chapter 10, where Peter just starts preaching and telling them about Jesus, telling him about his experience, telling him about what Jesus did. And this is where we're going to pick up the story right here. Acts chapter 10, verse 42. uh, Peter is still preaching. He's finishing up his sermon. Well, his sermon's actually about to get interrupted here. Peter preaching, and he, being Jesus, commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. So this is, this is Peter, he's, he's in the middle of his sermon, he is preaching, he is talking about Jesus, he's saying whoever believes on him will have their sins forever removed, and as soon as he starts speaking those words, the next verse says, while Peter was still speaking those words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Jesus had hinted about the Gentiles getting in to heaven and getting into this new covenant with different stories and different things. He had talked about it, but the Jews and the disciples didn't really understand it. And then they hear 
You go, you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit. It's going to help you. They receive this amazing gift. They're speaking in tongues. People are getting saved. Thousands of people are getting saved. And about five to ten years later, God pulls them into preaching to the Gentiles. And what they thought was something that God was just blessing them with is just liberally given to these Gentiles. Well, they don't, they don't know who Jesus is. They didn't, they didn't do all the stuff that we did. They, haven't, they, didn't, they didn't walk in the wilderness. They weren't slaves in Egypt. They don't know who the prophets are. They don't know who the kings of Israel are. They don't know anything about David. And Peter's just there saying, oh, well, maybe I'll just preach to you about, and as soon as he starts telling them about who Jesus is, that he died for their sins, he was buried in a tomb, and he rose again the third day, Holy Spirit falls on them, and they start speaking in tongues. And all the Jews say, wait a second, There's, God is doing something that we weren't expecting at all. Freely gave them the gift. He says, well, if they're saved and they're speaking in tongues, then we, why not baptize them too? Let's, let's do all three. So we go back to understanding, studying of the scriptures, the hermeneutics of it, the law of first mention. This is vital. This section of scripture is vital for you as a Gentile to know what God wants to give you. Because if he did it to one person, if he did it to the very first Gentile, if he opened the doors and gave these things to Cornelius and his family, then he is willing to give it to every other Gentile who believes. He brings salvation to the first Gentile, he brings water baptism to the Gentiles, and he brings the gift of speaking in tongues to the Gentiles. Freely gives it to them. Boom, there you go. All in one. And you say, well, wait a second. Let's let them get saved first. Let them wait five or ten years. Then we'll talk about water baptism or speaking in tongues. Nope. Holy Spirit just said, here you go. And the Jews said, what? We had to wait all this time for this, this, and this, and you just gave it to them? You see, it's very important about those three things that we were blessed with. Because the three things that we were being blessed with was God restoring three things that the world had been cursed with. So he brings salvation. And why is he bringing salvation? It's because he's reversing the curse of sin and death that we saw happen with Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. I'm going to read a couple scriptures, but I didn't give these to you. Genesis 3, 17 through 19, these are, this is the curse that is placed upon Adam because of what he did. Cursed is the ground for your sake and toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So we see this curse that affects the world. Because of what Adam and Eve did, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because of what they did, now we have to die. Jesus sends his son, dies on the cross, reverses that curse, makes that freedom available to us. The second worldwide curse that we see that is reversed in Acts chapter 10 is the flood. We see that in Genesis 6, 17 and 18. God is speaking to Noah and behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven 
all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go to the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Here's another curse that was put on the earth where everybody who wasn't in the ark went underneath the water, swallowed up by the water, and died. Jesus reverses that curse and why water baptism is so important to us and why we do water baptism is because we believe that water baptism is a reverse of this curse. That when you make a declaration of the salvation of Jesus in your life and we put you in water, we do just like the flood did. We put you under the water completely and let your flesh die. Let your old man die in that water just like all the other people died in there. But we don't leave you in there. Just like Jesus didn't die and stay in the tomb, he rose again. And when we bring you up out of that water, we bring you into a brand new life. No longer are you that same sinner. You're coming out of that water righteous in the brand new covenant of God. Acts chapter 10, he makes that available to all Gentiles. And lastly, we see the third curse that was reversed in the Gentiles' lives that affected the whole world was the Tower of Babel. We see God going down in Genesis 11, 6 through 7. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. Tower of Babel, the people are together, they're speaking one language, they're saying, let's build a tower all the way up to heaven. And it catches God's attention for him to go over there and say, I wonder what they're doing. Been working pretty hard, getting that pretty high. I'll come back in the morning. Oh wow, they're still working. Oh wow, it's got even higher. Okay, they're really going to accomplish what they want to do. The unity is there because of the one language. Yeah, they're not dispersing. Because remember, God told them, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth, is what he told Adam and Eve. Go out and take care of the whole earth. But they're just staying in one area, and they're just building this one thing together. He said, well, you're not going throughout the world and doing that. He said, well, I'm just going to go ahead and, you speak French. <laughs> That's pretty funny. You speak Italian, Spanish, English, Cajun, you go over there. <laughs> you speak this, you speak that. And all of a sudden, they couldn't understand each other. They said, well... You speak the same language. Well, let's, let's go build a colony over here. Let's go make Russia and China and India, Antarctica, penguins, all that. And God reverses this worldwide curse by bringing the Holy Spirit down and giving the availability for everyone to speak in tongues. Because he understood and he explained the principle and the power of when everyone comes together and are unified and speaking the same thing Anything can be accomplished. We are a dangerous, dangerous weapon. So God says, I'm going to reverse that curse by putting the Holy Spirit. And no longer are you going to speak your normal language. I'm going to give you a heavenly language where we can all speak together. You might not understand that language, but it says God understands that language. You might be saying yabba dabba do. You might say in Hyundai Hyundai over here, but God understands it. And he says when you do that, it unites the church and it will set the world on fire, which is why the division has been so strong when it comes to speaking in tongues in the church, because the, the devil knows the power of it. 
He says, if I can cause confusion and I can cause people to stop doing it, if I cause people to question it, then it doesn't unify the church like it was intended to do. And all in one set of scriptures in Acts chapter 10, we see God reversing the three universal world curses in the Gentiles' lives that we all have access to. Salvation, to reverse the curse of sin and death. Water baptism, to reverse the curse of what happened at the flood. Speaking in tongues, which reverses the curse of what happened at the Tower of Babel. If you aren't saved, we're here to help you get saved. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. The simple gospel that Peter said, Christ died for your sins. Yes, he died for the whole world's sins, but you've got to make it personal. He died for my sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried in a tomb, and he rose again the third day. Water baptism, absolutely we believe in that. If you haven't been water baptized and you want to be water baptized, we'll do it next Sunday. We got a water trough upstairs. I know we've got the fire department that's come out before and filled up. Um, it's raining so much, we might as well put the trough out there. By the time next Sunday, we'll have it full and we'll get you in there. If you haven't been water baptized and you want to, I'll do it anytime, anywhere. You got a pool, I'll go jump in there. Listen, I can't really swim. It's something I'm working on. So we don't want to get in the deep end. Uh, how? I might need you to hold me up. Need some floaties. <laughs> If you want to get water baptized, we'll make it happen. Because it's a right and it's an opportunity and it's a free gift that God's given you. And if he's given you the free gift of salvation and you've believed that, he's given you the free gift of water baptism and you've done that or you're interested in doing that, take one more step. He's given you the free gift of speaking in tongues. What's the importance of speaking in tongues? Let me talk about that and then we'll finish up. What's the importance of speaking in tongues? People talk about it. People yell about it. People get all in a fluster about it. So why should I speak in tongues? What's, what's the benefit to me? I love your questions. They're very good. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. And being assembled together with them, he, being Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he says, you have heard from me, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He says the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues is a promise from the Father. There's a scripture that says, God is not a man that he should lie. If he said it, then he's going to do it. If it's a promise from the Father that he wants to give to you, I'm all for it. I, I might not understand it. I might have questions about it. But if it's a gift and it's a free gift you're giving to me, I'm willing, I'm willing to listen, God. I'm willing to talk about it. We understand that it's a promise of the Father. We understand that it's a free gift that we see Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit giving to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. In Matthew 7, verse 11, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, there's, the, there's where the rubber meets the road. Not just in speaking in tongues, but in all things, the Father is ready and willing to give you for those who ask him means you've got to have faith and believe in what you're asking. You've got to study and see what it is. I didn't know that I could ask God about things until I started reading myself. I said, wait a second. This scripture says that I can have this. 
these scriptures say this and that. I didn't write the Bible. I just picked it up off the shelf at Walmart and started reading it. Well, God, you said this. So if you said it, why can't I have it? I saw that guy have it. I saw her get it. What's different about me? He said, well, it's here. It's free. It's a gift. I'll give you all good things. You just have to ask for it. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just start asking. Well, I haven't received it yet. Okay, I'm going to keep asking. I'm just going to keep asking. Hey, God, remember? I don't know. It's me, Jeremiah, again. I don't know if you remember me. Uh, you said I could speak in tongues. I haven't spoken in tongues yet. Uh, I'm just coming back to tell you. Uh, you said you'd give it to me, and I'm asking again. Okay, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. Oh, hey, God, it's me again. I just want to talk to you. I don't know if you were sleeping or whatever, but that's pretty cool. Uh, you said you were going to give all good things to me, and one of those good things is speaking in tongues. Uh, I still haven't spoken in tongues yet, so I'm just going to ask you again. I believe in speaking in tongues. I, I receive it. I want it. Uh, I'm available to it, so I I'll wait for you to give it. Oh, hey, God, I just, I, I don't know if you're busy or what's going on. It says that you're giving me all good things, healing, prosperity, salvation, all those things, and I'm just asking for them. Uh, it says if I ask for them, that you're going to give them to me. So I, I'm here again just asking. Okay, okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Those who have children have, know that their kids have no problem asking. My son is on a terrible stage right now where he does not wake up in a good mood. And I think I've talked about this over the last couple weeks. He comes in, kicking our door open. Thankfully, he talks more to his mom than me. Mom, my belly's hungry. It's empty. It's seven in the morning. Like, what are you doing? I need food now. But he knows that his father will give him all good things. And he doesn't stop from asking. The next day, the next morning, Mom, my belly is empty, hungry. Yesterday, when all the, all, everybody, all the young adults were here, Maddie was fixing his plate, and he was crying on the sofa. He said, my belly's so hungry, Dad. And I said, I said Noah, I said, have we never not fed you before? <laughs> yeah, you fed, yeah. I said, okay, look, your mom's fixing your plate, like, all you have to do is ask, and we'll feed you. But he knows his father's not going to withhold anything from him. And he just asks openly. All right, we got to go. We got to go. Here we go. Rubber meat in the road. Why you need speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5. We're just coming out of the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Paul is still on the idea of love. First thing he says is pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Verse 2, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. I want you to know right now that speaking in tongues, no one's going to understand you, not even yourself. Let's just go ahead and clear that up right now. Let's just get that, that weird thing out there. Speaking in tongues is a heavenly language that the Holy Spirit imparts on you. And for the most part, you're not going to understand it. It's going to sound very weird. It's not going to be English. But it says you're not speaking to men, you're speaking to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. When you speak in tongues, you don't know what you're saying. 
For the most part, nobody else around you knows what they're saying, but God understands what you're saying. You know who doesn't understand what you're saying? Satan doesn't understand what you're saying. Satan can't decipher tongues. He might have a book somewhere. What do you say? What do you say? Uh, what? No, what, what? Catch up. No, slow him down. Slow him down. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he said. I don't know. But it says we're speaking mysteries in the spirit. That when I speak in tongues, whether it's at church, corporately, whether it's in my own personal time, whether it's in the shower, in the car, or whatever, I don't know what I'm praying. But what I do know is God, I'm speaking directly to God, and God understands it. How many times do we not know what to pray? In our moments of frustration, in our moments of weakness, in our moments of insecurity, in our moments of everything in life. I don't know what to pray. I'm just so frustrated. I'm just, God, I just... When you start speaking in tongues, it says you're speaking directly to him. How many times have you prayed and thought, my prayers aren't even getting past, not the ceiling, like this. They're just getting right here. Father, he Father I need you. Fa What's the point of praying? But it says when you speak in tongues, it's a direct line to God. That changes the game. That, that changes how I interact with God. That I can speak in tongues, not have an idea, a clue, at all what I'm saying, but God's the one that's understanding it, and God's the one who's deciphering it, speaking mysteries in the Spirit. Let's keep reading. Nope, 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 nope. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. See, he's making a distinction between prophecy and he's making a distinction between speaking in tongues. If you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you see the different gifts of the Holy Spirit, that there's nine gifts, which is different than speaking in tongues. You can actually, being saved right now, not speaking in tongues, can flow in the gifts of the Spirit. You can prophesy right now. You don't have to speak in tongues to prophesy. You don't have to speak in tongues to have faith rise up inside of you. You don't have to speak in tongues to lay hands on somebody and see somebody get healed. You don't have to speak in tongues to flow in the gifts of wisdom, the gifts of knowledge, the discerning of spirits. He says he gives to those liberally. He's, he's ready and willing to give those because the gifts are designed, and we'll see in the, the next couple of passages, the gifts are designed to edify the church. To build you up. That when you come to church, me, it says in, in 14 verse 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Why should you desire spiritual gifts? So you can be used by God to edify the church. Or somebody else who's desiring the spiritual gifts can be used by God to edify me. What if we came to church and we're edified by each other by words that God was showing up and speaking to us? Not just me being saying, hey, how are you doing? God is good. Oh, you look nice today. Those are things we need to hear. But what if somebody you don't know walks up to you and says, God says this about this and this? When your son was here, Sean and Renee, two weeks ago, I was preaching. I was preparing my sermon. They had blessed us with some crawfish. I was trying to go to sleep that night, and I just felt God give me a picture, give me some words to speak to them. And I thought, ah, maybe it's just me being thankful. I mean, this is two weeks ago. Here's, here's Jeremiah the pastor in his mind. Ah, maybe it's just me. I, I don't know if this is right. I don't know what. I said, well, I'll sleep on it, God. If you put that back on me, I'll, I'll say it. Wake up the next morning, that same picture's there. Same words are there. I said, okay, God. It's 
it's used to edify you. It's a, it's a prophetic word. It sounds weird. I don't really understand it, but I'm just going to go out there. So after worship, I stood up here and gave the prophetic word. I said, this is what God said. Here's the picture that I saw. As I was giving the picture, I felt God telling me what the picture meant to help define some of those pictures to them. They were blessed. They were edified for them and believed that God spoke to them and is going to use them. Prophetic word is to help edify and build up the church. Me speaking in tongues to Sean and Renee would have done nothing to them. They would have just looked at me. I, I don't know. I don't know what that means. I receive it, I guess. But he's talking about the distinction of speaking in tongues in the church and that, to edify. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Here's Paul. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets, that the church may receive edification. Now he's not saying you shouldn't speak in tongues. That scripture right there has been misconstrued many times. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Because when you speak with tongues, you're edifying yourself. You're praying to God. You're speaking yourself to him. But he's talking in this letter to the church of Corinth. He's talking to a whole body of people. And he's saying, if you're just speaking in tongues, you're not edifying the entire church. You're just edifying yourself. I would rather that when you're in a church and corporate setting, that prophecy would happen because it helps edify the entire church. Now, there is a gift of the Holy Spirit that shows us that we can interpret speaking in tongues. That somebody can stand up in the middle of a service and yell out, yabba dabba Honda Hyundai, tree, 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 and everyone will be like, what does that say? And then the Holy Spirit will impart a gift on somebody else who will stand up and say, I have the revelation of what that word is. The revelation of that word should sound like a prayer to God, not you've probably heard this before, if somebody has done it, they'll say, well, thus saith God. No, 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 that's a prophecy. Man, God to man. When you speak in tongues and someone brings clarity to that word, it should sound like a prayer and worship to God. I know I'm preaching a lot. I'm, I'm about to finish. I'm about to finish. Jude chapter 1, verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy of faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Jude makes the distinction right here that the way that you build yourself up in faith is by praying in the Holy Spirit. How you edify yourself, how you build yourself up. Have you ever gotten out the shower, had a long week, or you know you're going into a long week? You get out the shower and you're looking at yourself in the mirror while you're brushing your teeth or fixing your hair. You give yourself a pep talk. Sitting in your car before you get out to go to work, you've got a just a bad meeting you got to go into or you got to deal with a coworker. You got to go inside the house. You and your wife had a fight. You and your husband had a fight. You look in the mirror. You got to give yourself a pep talk. All right, man, you got to, you don't be a jerk to her. Be sweet. You're bringing, you got to keep the job. You're, you just got to, what if you, instead of doing that pep talk, you edified yourself by just looking in the mirror and speaking in tongues? That says it edifies you. That says it builds up your faith. That says it encourages you. Because you're speaking directly from God to God. You're getting a heavenly language that you're walking in, speaking prayers to God. Instead of me being like, come on, buddy, don't quit today. You got to pay the bills. You got to do that. I just lifted my hands and started praying in tongues. I just walked into work, praying in tongues under my breath. God knows exactly what I'm saying. Every author that we've read in the New Testament spoke in tongues. 
Everyone who wrote a part of the New Testament was a tongue talker. The Apostle Paul got filled with the Spirit. He makes the distinction in his own writings. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. And it just so happens that the man who made the, the statement that he speaks in tongues more than anybody else wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. The revelation that he received by reading the Scriptures and speaking in tongues is so overwhelming evidence of the importance of when you speak in tongues in reading that Bible, the revelation that comes back to you will change your life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Paul writes all of the New Testament. Jude. All the authors of the New Testament spoke in tongues. And the revelation that they had because of it. And I'm finishing with this. You can come up here. John chapter 8, 31 through 32. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. See, the truth is already, it's, it's already free. It's already available. Somebody looked at a cow, just saw it walking by, and didn't think anything of it. Another guy said, what if I cut off those hindquarters, throw them over a fire? Those ribs right there? I put a little sauce on that and throw it on a fire. Whoa. The truth was always there. The rib meat was always there. The prime rib was always there. But when somebody had knowledge of that truth, whoa, set them free. I'll have that sucker medium rare, season and sear both sides of that prime rib. I know we're about to be done. Bring me some butter and biscuits, sop that gravy up. Because they know the truth, and that truth set them free. So you don't, you don't know what you don't know until you bring the revelation of the Scriptures to you when it comes to speaking in tongues. The truth is always there. I know it's weird. I know it's, it's crazy. I know it's... But you also believe that God impregnated a virgin and that that baby that came out of Mary died on a cross 2,000 years ago and saved your life. All of a sudden, we start putting these categories of what we believe and don't believe. You believe that a man was eaten by a fish in Jonah. You believe that a man built an ark, built a boat that he never had seen a boat before and never experienced rain before. We believe all these things, but then we put God in a box when it comes to speaking in tongues. Oh, that's too weird. That's not. When it comes to healing, like, oh, yeah, no, I believe this and that. All these crazy stories that we hear in the Old Testament. All these miracles that Jesus did. Oh, he doesn't want me to prosper in my finances. He doesn't want to save me. I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm the worst of the worst. He doesn't want to give me the gift of speaking in tongues. I'm too young. I'm too old. I don't believe this. I don't believe that. You shall know the truth. Doesn't give you an age limit. Doesn't give you a time frame. You shall know the truth. And that truth will set you free. In Mark 16, verse 17, Speaking in tongues does not get you saved. But if you speak in tongues, there's confirmation that you are saved. Have you ever doubted if you were saved or not? Have you ever questioned, am I really saved? If I died today, well, you know, I might, I might not. But Jesus in the Great Commission says this, and these signs will follow those believers, those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. 
it's confirmation that God gives us when we speak in tongues. When you're blessed with the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues, you never have to doubt about your salvation ever again. He that the Son sets free is free indeed. The last scripture I'll read, John 7, 37-39. This is Jesus speaking. On that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would, would receive. For Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. If anyone thirsts, let him come. Throughout my studies of the scriptures and looking at the Holy Spirit and the ability and the evidence of speaking in tongues, I do not see a caveat that hinders anyone who is a part of the faith and family of Jesus to be hindered this right right here. If he opened the door for Cornelius and his entire family to be saved, to be water baptized, and to receive the gift of speaking in tongues, then it should be available to all Gentiles who believe and ask. There's no distinction. Doesn't matter what denomination you're a part of. Doesn't matter what race you're a part of. Doesn't matter what sex you're a part of. Doesn't matter any of those things. He's freely given that gift to anyone and everyone who ask and believe. He says, if you thirst, it's available. Speaking in tongues is a free gift that the Father promised all believers. Speaking in tongues is a heavenly language that is given to believers that you cannot understand, but thank God He understands. Speaking in tongues is received by asking the Father for the gift of faith. Speaking in tongues will manifest in your spirit as the word or group of words while worshiping and praying is done. And speaking those words in faith daily will edify yourself as you pray to God. If you're desiring the gift, if you've been desiring the gift and you haven't received it, it's simple, it's asking. God, I hear the truth, I believe the truth, and I'm desiring that gift. We're going to have an opportunity here. We're going to have Maddie sing, and y'all can stand up. But I want to give you some time to talk with, talk with your Jesus about it, if it's something that you're interested in. She's going to sing a song, and we're all going to be worshiping. If you pray in tongues, I'd ask that you, you pray in tongues. If you don't pray in tongues, just worship and pray the way that you know how. If you're desiring the gift... Then while you're worshiping and while you're praising, just ask God, God, I want to speak in tongues. I want that gift that we've heard. I've heard the truth, and I know it's for me. I know that I want it. And as you worship and as you pray, it says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And the Holy Spirit's going to impart upon you a word, a phrase, might be a whole book. It's going to be a word that you've never heard before. It's going to be a phrase that sounds so weird. It's going to be funny. But just let that word, just utter that word, utter that phrase. The gift is there. The, the availability is there. It's not God withholding anything from you. You see, this church, I want you to know that your pastor speaks in tongues. My wife, your other pastor speaks in tongues. Everybody who's on my paid staff, my worship leader and my mother-in-law, as our secretary speaks in tongues. My elders speak in tongues. 
I believe in it so much. It's changed my life. It's elevated my walk with God. It's helped me experience things that I've never experienced before. Take some time and talk with God. Desire the gift and listen. The gift is there. It's available today. The Holy Spirit is not trying to withhold anything from you today. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the opportunity to walk in your spirit. Father, you know the ones who are desiring the gift. You know the ones who are asking today. Father, I thank you for answering their prayer. I thank you for answering their desire. Father, I thank you for answering them today and giving them the gift of speaking in tongues that will revolutionize and change their Christian walk forever. Father, that those who prayed and, and they didn't hear anything, they didn't feel anything, Father, I thank you that you're starting them on a journey that will bring them to the answer that they need. Father, I thank you. It might not be today, might not be tomorrow, might be Sunday, might be this, might be that, Father, but I ask you to give them the gift of speaking in tongues because they're desiring it and it says you're not going to withhold anything from us. Father, I thank you for those who have been speaking in tongues since we were born, Father, when it feels like we've been speaking in forever. I ask for new revelation. I ask for a new walk in your spirit, Father. I ask you to encounter you in a new way in the Holy Spirit, Father, that we've done this over and over again, but let it not be stagnant in our spirits, but let us build up that gift. Let us edify ourselves. Let us be the ones that rival Paul in saying that we pray in tongues more than anyone else in this church, in this area. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit at any time in this church. We want to desire the spiritual gifts, the nine spiritual gifts that you've given the church. We want to be used to edify your body. Father, use us in the crowd to speak and prophesy and to perform the gifts that you've said that you've given us, Father. Father, I thank you for showing up today. You could have been anywhere else. You decided to come to Williston and bless us and honor us as we spoke about you, as we spoke about the importance of speaking in tongues. Let this be a seed that grows inside of us. For those who are still on the fence, for those who still don't believe, for those who are still questioning it, let this be a seed, Father, that starts them down the path. For those who got a word, a phrase, who got something today, Father, thank you for the gift. Thank you for blessing us today. For those who asked and didn't hear anything, Father, we, we thank you that you're honoring that faith step that they took. It won't return void. It will show up and accomplish in their lives. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the evidence of speaking in tongues, that we have the ability that when we do it, to unify the church and unify our lives. Father, let us never forget. Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause them to prosper, keep them safe until next week. <coughs> In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.